The rules we grew up with were never meant for us. It's time for a change. Welcome to Becoming Wild. This podcast will support you in untethering from conditioning, examining limiting beliefs around womanhood and value, and tapping into your innate power. Because when women embody our truest, wildest selves, we change much more than our own lives. We change the world. I'm your host, Emma Wittard. Hello, welcome to episode eight of Becoming Wild. I'm your host, Emma Wittard, and I'm coming to you today from my steaming hot home in Pasadena, California. We're having a heat wave and it's 103 degrees today. This is our second episode of three that will focus on the way we talk to ourselves, our inner voice. Last episode, we focused on the inner critic. This time around, we'll be working with a voice that is often a lot quieter and sometimes non-existent, the inner wise one. This is the voice that's always got your back. It's generous, compassionate, expansive, and it knows that there is more than enough of everything to go around and that you're doing your best in this moment. I'll refer to it by many names, including the inner mentor, inner wisdom, and inner wise woman. And with Lou, I'll be using a future self meditation to get to hers. If you're interested in trying this at home, and I highly recommend it, then you can use the one from this podcast, or or you'll find future self meditations all over the internet. So do find the one that's right for you. The more you can identify and get in touch with this inner voice and refer to that rather than the critic, the more you will feel sure and safe in yourself, trusting yourself to know what's best for you at all times. It's key to feeling really grounded, solid, and ready to take on anything that may come your way. So, before we get to our coaching session, let's see what wild question has popped into my inbox this week. F writes, Dear Emma, when you're in a situation where there are family members who really need your help, but they're reluctant to follow your advice, What tools can you use to convince them to do what you think is right? For example, elderly parents who are losing their independence. Thanks for writing in with your question, F. This might sound a bit harsh, but the first thing I would ask myself is, how do I know that what I think is right is truly right for them? I don't know the specifics of this situation, But if we're talking about elderly parents, a lot of emotion can be present. What makes you better able to know what is right for them than they do? I read a really hard but good book a couple of years ago called Being Mortal by Atal Gawande. He makes a strong argument based in statistics that putting people in assisted living actually speeds up decline. When we've lost our independence, the familiarity of home, 
and often our dignity, what more is there to live for? Well-meaning children make decisions on behalf of their parents that they think are for the best, and sometimes it turns out not to be. I don't know the specifics of this situation at all, but are you truly qualified to make a judgment call in this situation? And if not, then who is? Do you need to seek professional advice? Or just listen to your parent as dispassionately as possible and understand things from their point of view? What is more important to them? Longevity or quality of life? If you absolutely know that your advice is what's best for them, then all you can do, I think, is tell them what you think, but ideally appealing to their own values. If, for example, independence is important to them, then how will what you're suggesting help them to actually maintain important aspects of their independence in different ways? When dealing with disagreements, you can look for common ground through shared values. You want them to be happy and they want to be happy. Where's the common ground from there? It's very difficult to give a thorough answer to this without knowing specifics, but I hope that something in this is useful to you. You can always follow up with me in an email to info at emmawittard.com. Sending you lots of love. If you're hearing a clacking noise in the background, it's my dog, Nova, Champagne Supernova. She's a Champagne Labrador, and she keeps walking back and forward outside my recording studio, AKA the closet. Um, she's wondering where I am and what I'm doing. So apologies for that, but we're keeping it real here. And now onto our coaching session. Hi, Lou. How are Hi, you Emma. today? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm hot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we have a heat wave, 103 today. I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yes, it's and it's going to be like this until Thursday. So. <sighs> <sighs> so how are you since we last spoke? I'm really good. good. I I think you heard me mention on another call, my back pain has really yes. dissipated. Yes. And I think it was a two-pronged effort. I think the pain medication that I took for a couple of days really helped everything kind of be able to relax its tension and the inflammation. But I think our conversation last time, it happened right in those couple of days and I think the piece about the fear, recognizing that fear emotion really helped, you know, not release it. Maybe it's not about releasing it and letting go of it and getting rid of it, but it's about recognizing it and working with it and kind of facing it. And so I think just that understanding that that was there, I think really helped my back relax. Yeah. And I just had the funnest weekend. I feel oh, like I packed all of my fun into one weekend, all of my <laughs> summer fun. 
So I, I went to a wedding and saw some friends I hadn't seen for a long time. And then I went, took a drive over to the coast yesterday with my mom and my daughter. So I'm filled up with fun. Good. I'm thrilled to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I do believe very, very strongly in, in the mind body connection. And I know that you have had other experiences of this and, you know, a deep awareness of how, how stress affects your body and our beliefs when they're not, when they're not serving us are stressful. Yeah. So yeah. we, and we carry these things in our body. So I'm, yeah, I'm really happy to hear that your back's better. That's yeah. fantastic. How has your relationship to your inner critic been since we last spoke? The hag, you characterized her as the hag. Yeah. How has she been? She's been, gosh, she's been pretty quiet. Cause I feel like, I've been really trying to focus on fun and joy and yeah, she's been pretty quiet. I'm in the process of sending out lots of communication for my business and just sent out a new newsletter asking people to sign up to work with me. And of course that's a place for the, the hag to pop in. Yep. But I'm also reading Playing Big and was reading about the different types of fear and that fear when something is big and exciting and maybe a bit of unknown, but in an exciting way. So I've been trying to appreciate that clenched gut of like, oh my God, I I can't believe I'm sending this out to 300 people. They're all going to see me and know my, you know, deep, dark thoughts and feelings and really appreciate it, celebrate it and not, not uh, let the fear stop me. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That the difference between a kind of awesome fear, which is mm-hmm. that, yeah, fear tinged with excitement versus yeah. the just self-preservation fear, the help I'm being chased by a lion fear. Yeah. 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 I mean, this podcast has created awesome fear for yeah. me, for sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. So, yes, I get it. And the newsletter, I still get... I still get that when I press send on my newsletter. Yeah. I bet. Some of them are more vulnerable than others. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I made 2020 my year for leaning into fear. I told myself this is going to be the year where when I feel that awesome fear, it's my clue to definitely do that thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Obviously, I didn't know there was a pandemic coming when I, <laughs> when I made that decision. Lots of practice in differentiating the yeah, type of fear, right? Exactly. Yes. So today we are going to meet your inner mentor, your inner wise woman. Now that we've characterized the inner critic, we have her. She's your hag. She looks rather like the 
witch from Snow White. Yeah. We're going to meet the, the inner wise woman. One question for you um, before we dive into it. How has your belief about your kids been since we last spoke? Mm, yeah. Belief was... I have to make my kids happy so that they love me. That so was they the love original me. belief. Yeah. yeah. This idea of conditional love. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been such a good thing for me to recognize that I'm doing um, and that I don't want to do. And so it's been, it's just been more front of mind. And I think I'm, I'm holding less fear that they're not going to love me. And yeah, it's, it's loosening its hold. And, and I've been doing some journaling around, yeah, what does unconditional love look like? You know, I'm really getting clear and front of mind about unconditional love I was really happy that my daughter came to the beach with my mom and I, that, that felt good. And it also just felt good to let her do what she was going to do at the beach. She didn't want to walk with us. She wanted to sit on the blanket. She wanted to take a nap and just allowing for that felt just, you know, we were together and that was enough. Yeah. Yeah. Together on her terms and together yeah. on your terms. And- yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Have you been looking at what unconditional love towards yourself looks like? Yeah. As I started to sit down and write, I was like, oh, I'll write about unconditional love for my kids. And then as soon as I started writing, I was like, oh, it's one in the same. I can't have unconditional love for them if I don't have it for myself. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I find this is the case with everything really. When somebody comes to me with a lot of judgment about Mm. others, Mm -hmm. it has always come from judgment about themselves. So we work on their judgment around themselves and then their judgment for for others decreases. Right. Same with love completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. You know, I think, I think there's a perception that it can be self-indulgent to work on ourselves, but we we are the gateway to to how we experience the world and how the world experiences us. Yeah. You know, it has to be about working on ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So we're about to do something that's one of my favorite things to do. It it's a future self meditation. You've done this before, haven't you? I have, but it has been a while. It's been, gosh, it's been probably a couple of years. Great. I think. Yeah. So it's definitely time yeah. to meet your inner wise woman again through this, uh, through this method. Yeah. I'm excited. Yes. So the idea with this is last time we characterized the inner critic in order to reprogram her a little bit and and quieten her down a bit and so the inner wise woman who we're about to meet 
is the other voice that we're hoping to dial up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Are you sitting somewhere nice and comfortable? I am. Fantastic. Okay. We will jump in then. When you're ready, take three deep breaths in and out. Holding at the in-breath for a beat. And making the out-breath the longer one. Imagine that you're breathing out any tension that you feel today. And you're breathing in relaxation. Starting at the crown of your head, begin scanning your body for any tension it's holding. Breathing normally again, just start to notice how you're feeling and send some soft breath to the parts that you're holding tightly. Notice how your brows, your cheeks and your jaw are feeling today and relax there. Send some calm breath to your neck and your shoulders. Breathe into your arms, your hands and your fingers, breathing in and out. Feel your torso calm and relaxed, your chest, your spine, your belly, Send some breath to your glutes, your thighs, your shins. Release any tension in your feet and your toes. Just enjoy that feeling of calm, peaceful relaxation. Now, I'd like you to imagine that outside your home is a hot air balloon. It's tethered and it's got a big welcome sign on the front of it. The balloon is bright and vibrantly coloured and the basket is sturdy. You get into it and sit on the comfortable seat inside. Immediately you begin to float ever so gently upwards. You see your house get smaller and smaller as you float calmly up into the fluffy clouds. The sky is blue, the birds are singing and the sun is shining gently on you. You climb higher and higher and see your region getting smaller and smaller in the distance. You climb up, up, up into the clouds and soon all you can see around you is fluffy white cloud. It feels friendly, supportive and welcoming. 
When you get as high as you can, your balloon comes to a gentle stop. The air up here is cool and refreshing and it's a white, silent sky. Then you notice another hot air balloon floating up towards you. It floats up until it's right next to the balloon you're in. Notice what colour this balloon is. It's so close that you can just step out of the door of your basket and into the new basket. Hop into it now. You get comfy and this balloon begins to take you slowly back down. Somehow, you know that it's taking you down to meet your future self. Yourself, 20 years from now. The balloon floats gently down through the clouds. You're out of the whiteness and beginning to see a region again. Notice what part of the world you're going to. Is it different? or the same. The land is getting slowly closer and closer and you can make out what kind of an area you're in. Notice what it's like there. The balloon slowly touches down to earth and you're able to step out of the basket. You're outside of the home of your future self. Yourself 20 years from now. Notice what the area outside is like. Then look around at her home. What does it look like? Take it all in. As you approach the door, you notice that a woman has opened it and is standing in the doorway, welcoming you in. She looks friendly and happy to see you. Notice that it is yourself, 20 years from now. Notice her appearance and her demeanor. She welcomes you into her home and takes you to her favourite spot for a chat. She offers you some refreshment. She's present and ready to listen and talk. She tells you her true name, which is different from yours. Notice what it is. Ask her what has mattered most to her over the last 20 years. Listen to her and hear what she has to say. She may answer you with words or an image or a feeling. 
Then ask her, what do I need to know to get from where I am to where you are? Then ask her anything that you'd like. It could be something current that's on your mind or anything you'd like some advice about. Then bring your visit with her to a close, knowing that you can come back to visit her any time. Just before you leave, she brings you a gift. Say goodbye and thank you and walk out of the home and towards the hot air balloon that's sitting there waiting for you. Get in and get comfortable as it slowly rises up into the air, back up through the blue sky until it nestles into the clouds once again. Back in that white, silent cloud, you again find the other hot air balloon, the original one that brought you here. You hop back into that Sit comfortably and slowly begin your descent. Out of the cloud into the blue sky, you begin to see the region that you're in now coming into view. Down, down towards your city, towards your home, until you touch down and walk back into the room that you're in now. When you're back in your seat, take three deep breaths in and out. Wiggle your fingers and toes. And when you're ready, open your eyes and let me know that you're back. I'm back. Great. How is that? It was really sweet and wonderful. And yeah, I got emotional when I got there. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I always have tears streaming down my face when I yeah. do this. Yeah. Yeah. So how was she? She was so kind and warm. Yeah, very kind and warm and soft. Lovely. Where where were you? I was in a very lush 
meadow kind of out in the wilderness, but not dark, scary wilderness, meadowy, light uh, wilderness. And uh, it was a, a little like cottage. It was more like storybook than fairy tale. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Do you get any sense of where in the world it was? It wasn't a real place. Okay. It was, I mean, I guess it was, it was North America. (laughs) It was maybe like similar to where I grew up. And the house was a cottage. Yeah. Like a one story, no like porch or stairs up to the front, just kind of, yeah, a small step up to the door. What did your future self look like? Round and soft and pillowy. She had short curly hair. I think she was wearing like um like a peasant blouse and a you know maybe like a tiered skirt kind of ruffle not not ruffly but yeah tiered yes lovely the storybook yeah. outfit okay where did she take you for your chat just the front room was like a sitting room, living room, maybe like a built-in couch in the window, the small table, a fireplace or a stove possibly. So what was the style of the inside of the house? Very comfortable. I want to say country because I don't know what other word to use, but like not Definitely not modern and, you know, hard edges. The, you know, the built-in couch was like a cushion, um, not a hard thing. The, any wood that was in there was dark. It was more like dark colors, deep, rich, deep colors very simple not not a lot of decoration or I don't think there were curtains very very simple and plain did she give you any refreshment she gave me some wonderful tea and did she tell you her name her name was Alice (laughs) does the name have any significance for you no. Okay. Mm-hmm. I would look up the meaning of Alice after yeah. this. Okay. I've had some very interesting name meanings from yeah. from people. It okay. was it was almost Anne, which is my aunt's name, but it was then it was like, no, it's Alice. Great. Again, a storybook character. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Alice in Wonderland isn't a fairy tale, it is a story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did she say has mattered most to her over the last 20 years? Trust 
and faith and self-belief. Great. And what did she say you needed to know to get there? She said I needed to believe in myself. And did you ask her something else? And you don't have to share it if you don't want to. It didn't have time to fully form. Did she give you a gift? Yes, I believe it was. I'm not sure if it was both or one or the other. A pearl and a shell. I think that, I think it was both, like maybe the pearl in the shell. Does that mean anything to you? I mean, even in the moment, it definitely felt like a pearl of wisdom. I think pearl may be my birthstone. And I'm just seeing like the pearl inside the shell is like the, um, it's like my gift, you know, kind of protected in this, in the shell. Lovely. So what are you going to take away from that meditation? I, the kind of comfort and the easiness of like, if what I need to do is believe in myself and not all the millions of things on the to-do list that that feels easy i mean it's not going to always be easy to believe in myself right i, I get that but so much easier than getting caught up in the to-do list yes yeah exactly we talked about love at the beginning compassion love yeah believing in myself is yeah that is self-love that is compassion if that's our if that's our primary job everything sort of falls in line behind that yeah yeah even approaching the to-do list with compassion (laughs) for ourselves yeah yeah awesome okay So having reacquainted yourself with her, the idea now is to develop that relationship, to get as close to her as possible in your everyday life so that you can elicit that voice more than the voice of the inner critic, the voice of the hack. How does that sound? It sounds really nice. It sounds like as you're saying that, and I'm I'm thinking back to her, I'm picturing, um, you know, we've been talking, I've been talking about fun and joy, and I just picture her as light and fun and full of laughter. And that just feels like such a nice reminder to lean on. You know, that that's that's the inner wisdom is 
the the lightness yeah yeah and she is you so this is all already inside of you yeah which is wonderful so it's the yeah it's the practice of sort of strengthening these these qualities within yourself and valuing them yeah okay so how would you like to continue your relationship with her I don't know (laughs) okay I can give you a few tips yes please so there are there are lots of different ways that you can develop this relationship so it's it's a relationship like like any other so a few examples would be you could journal with her you could start a correspondence with her so that could look like asking a question almost like a play like a um or a script asking a question and then responding as if you were her um so that's a that's a journaling exercise you can do um another way to get closer to her would be to create a little nook in your house that feels more like her house like a little reading nook or you talked about the built-in cushion maybe it's even a cushion Mm -hmm. that reminds you of the decor of her house and when you sit on the cushion or with it with it against your back it's your cue to yourself that you're going to bring her to mind yeah and that might be a nice way to whether it's meditate with her or just close your eyes and ask her for some wisdom of the day or 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 ask her a question and see what comes up other ways to get closer to her sometimes people like to dress like that in a mentor it's a good excuse to get yourself a peasant blouse if you would like one and you happen to already got one, for example. Yeah. yeah. Or and or get yourself the gift that she gave you, that pearl in a shell. Yeah. And put it somewhere where it will remind you of her every day. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's something that you hold when you're asking her for advice yeah I have a pearl ring that I got from my grandmother that I need to get resized that I think would um, be nice to wear lovely yeah yeah when I'm trying to lean into a particular quality it is always my excuse to get myself a ring (laughs) because it's a really helpful reminder because you wear it all the time you can see it yeah unlike a necklace or earrings a ring is in front of you all the time so that's that's a great idea and then there are other things that you can do to to deepen your relationship with her an example would be I'm going to spend my evening like Alice would this evening how would Alice spend her evening what would Alice have for lunch how would Alice spend her day so 
So you, you could actually sort of imagine that you're her for a day or an hour or 15 minutes and, and just sort of lean into the kinds of things that she would do. So these are all ways that you can develop this relationship. You could draw a picture of her or put together an artistic interpretation of her. Anything really that helps you to feel closer to her. Yeah. Yeah. A collage would be fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you like the idea of a collage. You think maybe the ring. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to do to get closer to her? Yeah. I definitely want to do some journaling and... I'll consider the space or the item to kind of spend time with and in. Mm -hmm. uh, I do. I, yeah. Making for me is so helpful, I guess. Yeah. I'm, I kind of, I, most of the time these days have a crochet project I'm working on. And um, that could be my next, my next blanket could be maybe her colors. Yeah, lovely. Something that might go in her, in her space. Mm. Yeah. Something she would make or something she would have in her home. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. The more you integrate her, I mean, she's inside of you anyway, but the more you bring her to the surface, the more of those qualities you'll feel on a daily basis, kind, warm, soft, um, light, fun, full of laughter. Yeah. Rather than waiting 20 years to be this person, it's an invitation to get closer to her now. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So now you have a clearer picture of your inner critic and your inner mentor. How do you think you're going to play with the two of them going forward? Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I really think they could be buddies. I think they would hang out. I think that my inner mentor is so kind and warm that she would welcome the inner critic. And in a very uncondescending way, show her another way to be. Mm, lovely yeah in a loving way yeah yeah I and mean, we've been talking about this unconditional love and and it's I can see the the two of them as one representing conditional love and one representing unconditional love and not battling about it but yeah kind of almost becoming one, finding one way. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Great. 
Okay. So then my next question for you is, and it's, it's related, what is the process, this is one, I think, to create more self-love in your life? My usual answer is, is my go-to is it's a mental process, you know, because I tend to be very intellectual and mentally focused. That feels like an easy answer. And I think that my inner mentor can help me remember and mentally change the mental habits. But can you ask the question again? What is the process to create more self-love in your life? I think it's got to be a combination of physical, mental, and I'm not sure if it's, I want to say spiritual and emotional. I don't know if those things might be the same. I think something I can do is, you know, I have a regular yoga practice and focusing on feeling internally self-love throughout my body while I do that practice. And I usually close my practice with a few to many minutes of meditation and dedicating that also to my heart and self-love in that moment, I think will help bring in the emotional and spiritual aspect of it. Great. How do you elicit that feeling of self-love? I mean, in that moment when I'm meditating, I will focus on my heart space in my chest and kind of literally what it feels like, but also visualizing, you know, one day it might be a rose opening, one day it might be a shell just kind of being held in that space. Sometimes I put my hands on my heart space. Great. Does that feel enough, plenty for you at the moment in terms of creating more self-love? I don't, I don't know. (laughs) Because it's something, you know, it's not like something new and additional that I'm adding to what I do but I'm also wary of adding things to do. So I don't, I don't know if it's enough and I don't know what else there might be. Yeah. Okay. So let's think about it may be enough. I don't know if you do yoga every day, things that you can do that don't take any time if you know what I mean. Uh It could be, here are some ideas. So one is 
imagining yourself going through your day kind of held in a loving embrace it's almost as if a a larger being than you whether it's you or the universe is cradling you during the day throughout everything that you do that's one thing you can sort of channel that doesn't take any extra time The other thing is to lean into an archetype, which could be, and if we're looking for a loving archetype, loving feminine archetype, something like the high priestess or the empress, sort of a loving, a loving woman in her own right. You could channel a person who you think has deep, deep self-love. So that doesn't take time either. Mm -hmm. I do also have the wild unknown archetype deck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can see doing a reading focused on self-love. Lovely. Is that a Kim Krantz deck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll put the details in the show notes. Okay. Lovely. Absolutely. Are you a bath or a shower person? Mostly shower. I took a few baths when my back was so bad. Yeah. So another thing to do is self and or body gratitude while you're in the shower. Um, So that could look like as you're washing your body, saying thank you to the different parts of your body as you wash them for the things that they've done for you that day. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And or thank you to yourself for whether you shower in the morning or the evening, whether it's, whether it's things that you have done that day that you're feeling proud of or Mm -hmm. ways that you've shown up or anything really. I do a simple, small gratitude journal right before I go to bed where I, um, I do that. Yeah. Yeah. Then maybe it's three things you're generally grateful for that day and three things you're grateful for about yourself specifically that day yeah so that's a few ways to practice self-compassion one of my clients had this what I thought was a wonderful idea of going grocery shopping and imagining that you have a really dear friend coming for the weekend And putting everything in the basket that you would get for them. I love that. Yeah. So you are your own dear friend. Mm -hmm. What would you do? What would you feed them? What would you do with them for the weekend? You know, is there anything you put in their room? And these are all good prompts for treating yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So those are a few ideas. 
And then there's a really general rule, which is not making yourself wrong, right? Not shooting all over yourself. So when you yeah. notice yourself, and we have talked about this. Yeah. When you notice yourself going, oh, I should have done such and such. Yeah. It's a cue to say to yourself, well, should I? Should I have done that? If I assume, if I look through a compassionate lens and assume that I'm doing my best, what's the really good reason I have for not having done that thing? And there'll be a reason. Yeah. Does that make sense? Or is, is there anything pushing against that one? No, that makes sense. I love that idea of assume that I'm doing my best when I years ago when I was processing my childhood experiences, I came up against this with my stepdad of really like, you know, I felt like his excuse was I did my best. And my, my response to that was like, well, that was not enough. That wasn't yeah. enough. And um, so, you know, over the years I've kind of, I've, looked at this on and off again several times. And uh, I think as I've grown as a parent and as my kids have grown and I've just become more open and as I've become a coach and become a better coach, it makes more sense. I'm more accepting of his excuse that he yeah. was just doing his best yeah because um, I can really see where he was you know so and I I uh appreciate the reminder to myself as a antidote to I should be doing this that and the other thing I should be parenting in this way I should be being this kind of wife for taking care of my house in this way, all those things that I should be doing, you know, I'm actually just doing my best. Yeah. I, I'll probably get to some of those things. <laughs> mm. Yes, exactly. And everyone's best looks different and it's different yeah. on different days. I got this from Brene Brown and I found it incredibly helpful. doesn't yeah. mean that that other person's best is good enough for you or aligns with what you need at that time. But if we're able to recognize that in that moment at that time with their resources, that was as good as they could manage. Yeah. Yeah. I think it helps us to, to deal with the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes my best is staying in bed so that I don't lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if that's the way that you're going to be able to give your best, yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Other days, my best is like doing 10 million things, being charming and right. loving and patient. And, you know, it, it depends. It depends on so many things. Mm -hmm. But recognizing that we're all this huge spectrum of needs and knowledge or lack thereof, 
yeah. resources, privilege, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And parenting's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we, we excuse the behavior when it really was not meeting our needs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Anything else that's coming up for you in relation to what we've just talked about? Um, I don't think so. I will, I'll just say again how much the universe is sending me connected messages right now of, you know, I'm getting it from this source and from this source and from this other source. And so I'm really, I'm really trying to pay attention. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we get all this information when we need it. Um, and yeah, hopefully we pay attention. Our job is to notice. <laughs> right. Right. <sighs> okay. So what are you going to take away from what we've done today? Well, I'm definitely taking away Alice. Alice is with me and I'm really looking forward to, yeah, building some things around, around her pieces to put on my little altar or little bits of clothing to look for or jewelry Um, and journaling with her. I'm really looking forward to that. And I really appreciate this list of things that I can do to develop self-love and kind of experimenting with these things and playing with them, making it joyful and fun. Yes, exactly. Not another thing to do. Yeah, exactly. That's it for the show. Becoming Wild is a podcast written and produced by me, Emma Whittard. Special thanks go to Andrea Lida Wilborn, Sean Dennis, Jill Smolin, and Dean and De Silva. You can get more information about the show and other ways to experience my work at www.emmawittard.com. Please subscribe to Becoming Wild on your favorite podcast app and give us lots of lovely stars. It will make a huge difference to the discoverability of the show. If you'd like more direct coaching from me, please consider joining my Wild Woman community, where I post new content every few days and coach in the comments. And we have live coaching sessions every Friday. Or contact me to explore one-to-one coaching. If you have a question about what we covered today, or anything else you'd like some support over, you can email me at info at subject line wild questions. And I might just respond on the show. You'll be anonymous, of course. All of this information is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. You matter. What you do matters. And when a woman truly knows that, she changes the world. See you next time on Becoming Wild.